Thank you, guys, and thank you, Caitlin. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew is, in fact, the first book in the New Testament. So if you have a Bible and can find your way to that second part of Scripture, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, the first book there, Matthew, and chapter 7 is where we'll be at today. While you turn there, let me say a word of thanks to our church. Uh, last week, as you've done every year for five years, uh, you uh, gave us something very special on what is called Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, and I know that's just a month that somebody somewhere added to the calendar. It was probably a pastor, by the way, who did that. But, um, <clears throat> but uh, it, there's nothing uh, religious about it. There, there's nothing uh, mandatory about it. But you choose every year uh, to honor us. And I want you to know it means the world to us, uh, especially uh, when you uh, take the time to honor the kids. Uh, I, if you've been a pastor, if you've had kids, uh, you know that uh, you can feel well-loved uh, when someone takes the time to know and to love your kids. And so thank you for doing that uh, for us. Uh, I got more beef jerky than I think I can use in, uh, whatever, six months. And so maybe we need a half-year pastor appreciation makeup day, you know, with more beef jerky. But we got uh, Cracker Barrel gift cards. If I get three more of them, I can buy a wing in Cracker Barrel. Um, the corner with the round table, you know, that, that one. And uh, but you guys love this. Thank you so much. We don't take it for granted, and I want you to know, year after year, this is not something we think we're entitled to. We, we know we are not entitled to stand here uh, and receive that from you, uh, but thank you for your graciousness to do that. Our, um, one of the blessings, the lasting blessings of our lives is going to be having met you all and the fact that the Lord um, has allowed our children to have examples in this place of godly worship and godly manhood, uh, godly womanhood. Uh, they've got a hundred grandmas uh, here in this church. Uh, and there are those of, of you, and, and uh, hey, I might be before you. I don't know the answer to that. The Lord may come back. I don't know the answer of when he's coming. Uh, but sparing anything unforeseen, there will be those of you who won't be here for the rest of my lifetime. God has, has allowed our lives to intersect with some of his truest saints at Poplar Springs. And Jackson and Olivia and Reese will never forget what they have seen and known about you. And so we praise God for you and you have our thanks uh, this morning. I wanted to mention that to you uh, before we start. Also, uh, we're in a series uh, about the Bible, uh, what we know about God's word. And today... Uh, we're going to move on to Matthew chapter 7, but we have been in three other uh, sections of Scripture already. We were in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you remember uh, we learned that the Bible is God-breathed, that Scripture is breathed out by God. That's not poetic language or dressed up in any way. That's what the original uh, language says in the Bible. It is breathed out by God, it is profitable, and it equips us. In Hebrews chapter 4, we learn that the Word of God is living and active. <clears throat> it is sharper than any double-edged sword. These, these are not dry words, a chemical ink on a blank page. This is the Word of God. It has a life and a purpose given to it by God. And in fact, it's as if a sword, a sword cuts deep into us and reveals the, the most hidden places within us 
the Word of God is able to do that. And then last week we were in 2 Peter chapter 1. We were reminded that this Word is not from man. It's not the interpretation of man. Uh, it, it is, they spoke from God. And in fact, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit in pinning these words. It's not that we say man had nothing to do with it. No, we know that, that these words were penned by the hand of, of men, many men. But we acknowledge the truth that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These are not man's words. They are from God. They're altogether reliable and trustworthy. And so we come today to Matthew chapter 7. One of two parables of Jesus that we're going to explore that has to do with God's Word. It's a familiar story to you. You probably colored a coloring book page about it when you were a child. Uh, the man who built his house upon the rock or upon the sand. You've sung songs about it as a kid. You've colored it. But there's much more there than just a fairy tale. In fact, Jesus is saying something very urgent to those who are listening. And true, this is most immediately about the words of Jesus, what Jesus has spoken in his sermon on the mount. But by extension, and a very fair extension, I might say, this applies to the whole counsel of God. We're going to read this together, and I want you to know before we start, this has to do with judgment, really. When we see the storms mentioned here, <clears throat> I think it is, is fine enough to say that it applies to the storms of life, don't you think? Uh, that they wear and batter against us. Hardship and trouble, yes, yes. But also, we cannot afford to miss that this is about the coming judgment of God. When Jesus himself, the one who spoke these words the one who is a loving Savior, the one who emptied his blood on a cruel cross to make a great exchange with you and me, to make a wretch God's treasure. The Son of God had to become a wretch. The treasure had to become a wretch so that we wretches could be made into a treasure. This is the, the very Savior here who spoke these words will one day come again and he will sit as judge. And let me tell you, that is going to be a fearsome time. And so this is telling about the storms of life, but also that coming storm of judgment. If you want to know why that is, there's one word that really uh, points that out in verse 24. And the word is then. When we come to it, you'll see what I mean. Then. It's referring back to what was said previously. So let's read this together. These words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible with you, or you can see them there. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have those at no cost to you on the table in the back. A good, lasting copies of Scripture. You take that, uh, no cost at all, just a gift from our heart to yours, okay? Matthew 7, and we're actually going to begin in verse 21. We'll back up just a little bit to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These would be people who never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. These would be people who never uh, bent the knee and allowed him to become their savior and repented of their sins. Yes, they may have performed mighty, very visible works uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus, but his name was never written in their hearts. There was never a change. Verse 24, everyone then, what's then mean? It's pointing back to this, this what we just talked about. There, there are people who, people who come to me with words on their lips, Lord, Lord, let us come into heaven. And Jesus, at that final time of judgment upon his return, will look upon them and say, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then, because of this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them <clears throat> will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Founded and foundation, right? It, it had been built on the foundation. It had been founded <clears throat> upon the rock. Verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. The word for foolish here is moros. Mo, in fact, it's pronounced moros. What am I talking about here? A mo what? Moron. Okay, uh, Ralph knows. Uh, and so, <clears throat> moron. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> the, the word is like bonehead. I mean, and I'm not trying to, to play. Literally, it's that kind of thrown out language that the Bible has that God has chosen here. The one who builds his house on the sand is like a, a blockhead. It, 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 why would you do it? It's like a moron. It's, uh, it's foolish to build your house upon the sand. <clears throat> but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like that foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Megas, M-E-G-A-S, great was the fall of it. What kind of fall was this? I mean, you, you, could, you could hear it from three blocks away. Ba-boom! I mean, the, the, you come by and look at it, and nothing's left. I mean, it was a, a great fall this house that was built upon the sand. In verse 28, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Foundations matter, don't they? I looked the other morning, I woke up having dreamed about days in the police department and the police academy when I was 24 years old. I thought of two guys that I ran around with who loved Jesus in church, godly guys, married sweet, 
sweet girls who loved Jesus like they did, who came from families uh, in the church. Not my church, but their own churches. And I just was thinking fondly about him in those days, and I looked it up on Facebook to see, to type in his name just to see what I could see about, how, I mean, how tall are the kids getting and what's going on and uh, have the stripes on his arms moved to a bar on the collar. And uh, yeah, I wanted to know that good things were happening to my friend, to my brother in Christ. I looked there, and there was his face and his wife's face, but it wasn't the same wife that I had known. And I scrolled down some more, and I thought, this is not the man of character that I once knew. And what happened here? What happened between then and now? Foundations matter. What we build upon matters, doesn't it? They matter to all of us. And Jesus here gives us an urgent lesson about how badly they matter. Why is this so important? Why is this so urgent? There are three reasons I want us to look at this morning. This is an urgent warning from Jesus because everybody decides to build. Everybody's included in this. Everyone sitting here today, you are building something right now. There's no one who can say, well, I'm not actually building. You're building your life, and you're building it upon something. And for many of us, things can look very similar between those who are building on the rock and those who are building on what? On the sand. I mean, you look out in the world, even in God's church, and there are those who can somehow mimic that they're building on the rock when in fact they're building on very shaky ground. Your life is not built on the Word of God, but after all, it is a foundation. No one can, can get under there and really see what you're building upon, but we can design and craft a, a home or a life that resembles godliness in many ways. This is easy to do. Things can look similar for a while between both of these men in this parable, between both of their houses, right? They could be in the same geography, the same weather patterns, facing the same direction, using the same shingles, right? We could go by and you might not be able to tell the difference between one man and another. In fact, the house built upon the sand, what? It could appear even that much prettier than the house built on the rock and nobody would know the difference. I found these uh, pictures on the internet of some cakes that I want you to see. These are, this is a Doritos cake. I, I wish it was a, it's a little distorted on the screen, but that looks like a bag of Doritos. It looks, I mean, I would try to open it up and eat it, right? It's, it's laying, if I found that just laying about, right? Guess what? It's going in. And I'm going to, I would try to eat it. But look, you cut into it and it's a cake. Here's a Coca-Cola bottle. Uh, looks like a Coca-Cola bottle. They've even kind of added some sweat to it, you know, to make it look natural. But guess what? Inside it's a cake. Here's my favorite. A turkey. A turkey cake. It looks like a beautiful Thanksgiving turkey. You, you cut it open inside, it's cake. The outside, that glaze, it looks so tasty and savory is actually sweet icing if you, if you eat it. Uh, it. It tricks the eye, doesn't it? I wish they could make one of a, a big burrito supreme from Taco Bell that actually tasted like a burrito supreme, you know. Uh, that'd be delicious. Uh, we can look at things sometimes. <clears throat> we can mimic things sometimes. But listen, what's inside, or in, in our case, what's underneath tells the real story. You bite into it, or, or the storms come, and you see what it's, 
really made of. That's why sand is so easy in this text. What can you do with sand? You want to build a home, you can shape that sand to, to, to whatever kind of life you want to build. Uh, you need a certain foundation to build your life, your way. You want that flesh to lead. Uh, you want that pride to go. Yeah, then you just shape that foundation. You contour it, and you build the house that you want. But a rock is not that easy, is it? A rock is not deceptive. In fact, you build upon the rock, your house is going to have to take the shape of what it's built upon. We can fool ourselves, can't we? We can fool other people. Look at this powerful verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you will. It's on the screen, but you might want to mark that down. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The writer here, the Apostle Paul, wants Timothy to understand something. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Why will they be difficult? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Have you come across that? Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. You cannot please them. Uh, they're slanderous. They gossip. They tell. They're talking. Uh, they're without self-control. They're brutal. They do, they do not love good. They're treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But the most surprising thing, having heard all of this about these folks, and that's pretty bad, isn't it? The most surprising thing is in, in, in verse 5, but they have the appearance of what? Of godliness. How? I mean, on the outside, they have some vestige that these are the people of God. But inside, they're rotten. I'll say times are going to be difficult, Timothy. That's pretty difficult, isn't it? They have the appearance of godliness, but denying what? It's power. Abs vacant of the power of godliness. Everybody decides to build Everybody's building something here today. And you can craft a life that can deceive the eyes of onlookers, maybe even deceive yourself if you're careful enough, but it won't change what you're built upon. Your house can appear to have all the enchantment and charm you want while being that close to absolute collapse. That's the truth and the reality of God's Word today. If that is you in this moment today, stop walking that tightrope. Stop walking the tightrope of that lie. It is painful, and it is dangerous. It is perilous. Why? Because the storms are coming. You're going to be shown for what you are because the judgment of God is coming. God has fixed a day, the Bible says, with certainty it will arrive, and what you've built upon will decide whether you stand or whether you are withered away unto nothing. Whether you stand there and enter eternal life or whether you are removed forcibly for the, from the presence of the only Christ and thrown to the fires of hell. This is that serious what your life is built upon. 
it's unnecessary to do this because the word of God offers us a sure foundation. The offer is here. It's now. Everybody decides to build. But secondly, everybody encounters the storm, don't we? I mean, everybody, notice in this text here, there's the, the man that builds on the rock and there's the man that builds on the sand. There's not a bunch of other men to choose from. You don't get to choose a different path. This encompasses every choice here. Uh, and in this case, everybody, both of them, encounters the storm. Sometimes we might think that uh, by being a Christian, by believing in Jesus, that we are promised the primrose path, uh, that, that, that we are guaranteed an easy walk. I think I look at faces in this room today. I know most of you know, painfully so, that's not true, is it? Jesus promised us in this life we would have what? Trouble and plenty of it. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Listen, there are churches out there teaching right now that if you just give enough money, life's going to clear up for you. That job's going to clear up. Your business is going to succeed. Your 401k is going to turn around. If you just give that money, it's going to be good. If you just show enough faith, if you just do enough good works, you just serve the church enough, it's all, God's just waiting on you to get better somehow, and then he's going to bless you in a certain way. Following Christ does not guarantee us a life without pain, without suffering, without what? Without storms. And in this case, the storm comes even upon the man who chose to build upon the rock. <clears throat> and in fact, the storm comes mightily, doesn't it? I mean, it's described in big ways here, a flood and wind and rain. It's a torrent that can wash everything away. There's a man I love in Chattanooga, Jim Motes. Jim is in his 80s <clears throat> and um, in a nursing home now. Just a few years ago, him and his wife, Ginger, would take me to the Golden Corral uh, every now and then. And so they became my favorite people in our whole church. Uh, not really. Well, I did. Yeah, they were. I loved them. But um, they'd take me to the Golden Corral. It retired from the Air Force as a master sergeant, very proud of his days there. Went into business for himself as a carpet cleaner after that. Uh, you walk through his house, very modest house, but they, they took care of it. They had all these things hanging on the walls, awards and, and uh, decorations and rank insignia and uh, newspaper articles. They had a newspaper article about me that they put up in their garage. Every time I go over there, they say, hey, we got the, you know, I want you to see we still got this newspaper article. That was from my first arrest. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, anyway, um, Jim's a treasure. And one day... Ginger woke up and fell out of the bed and hit her head and caused a heart spell, and she went to the hospital, and Jim never saw her again. Not that he never saw uh, her alive again. He never saw her again. Right in the middle of COVID, no funerals, no hospital visits, no viewing, no nothing. She went, and that was it. No graveside, bye-bye. Not long after that, Jim's health began to decline. He's always such a gracious man. Like I said, they didn't have a lot, but what they did have, as you know, you know people like this, they cared for it. They took pride in it. He was always so proud of his cars, always American-made, and he, was, he, would, he would keep them so clean, and he would tell me, you know, we, I got Ginger a new car, and it was nice but very modest, and, 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 but he was so proud of it. 
to drive, to, just to know that, 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 that God had provided that, that his life had amounted to being able to provide for his family. He's always so proud of those cars. And one day I called him. This was, this was probably two years ago. I was on the way from Cleveland, <coughs> Georgia, at a meeting up there, on the way back across to uh, old, where Limestone is. You know where the, aqua the Olympic Aquatic Area is there on that, that road that goes between? I was right there talking to Jim on my little earbuds when he said this. He said, Matthew, I've lost everything. He said, I've lost Ginger. I've lost my house. I've lost my cars. And I've lost my friends. He said, I'm just here in this nursing home. It's just me. I'm all alone. I've lost it all. I had to pull over there by the aquatic center to talk to Jim for a moment because it just wasn't a multitasking conversation at that point. I, hate, I didn't know what to say back to him. That's not right and it's not fair. That is the broken sinfulness of a fallen world from Genesis chapter 3 that poison runs through the veins of this globe and it comes into each life. And Jim was there suffering it, and I loved him, and he had been good to me. And in a moment, he pivoted and said something that blew me away. He said, but Matthew, down there at that church, you tell him about Jesus. He said, you tell him that Jesus saves. He had lost everything. But guess what? The foundation stood. His life was built on more than cars. It was built on more than uh, a town home. It was built on more than rank insignia. It was built on more than even a marriage. There was more. And the storms had come, but it had not washed him away. The anchor held. When you decide to construct your life upon the foundation of God's word, it will not mean freedom from pain. You know that very well. But it does mean that the thing into which you are anchored is going to hold. It's going to hold on to you. There will be suffering. But when the foundation's secure, guess what? You're secure. The house is secure. The life is secure. Lastly, you've seen that everybody decides to build. There's nobody outside of this parable. There's no third option. You're building on one thing or the other. Everybody encounters the storm. The guy on the rock is not exempt. The guy on the sand is not special. <clears throat> everybody encounters the storm. But lastly, everybody reveals their foundation. Verse 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. What do you think happened after these storms? I know it's a parable. But if a, a, a massive storm came, and there's two houses in this neighborhood back in the ancient Holy Land, and all of a sudden one, the people came by to see what happened, and one house is standing there secure, and the other one has fallen, and great was the fall of it. Don't you think people would be asking one question, right? What's the difference? What, what, what made the difference in these two lives, in these two houses? 
not that long ago, I think 2012, Ringgold, Georgia. Tornado came through in April and wiped that town away. In fact, it started over Sand Mountain in Alabama, and it came up Sand Mountain, <clears throat> became airborne, went down through the valley, went up over Lookout Mountain, traveled airborne until it landed in Lafayette, Georgia, and traveled up to Ringgold. A massive F, whatever, F4 tornado, destructive. Went through the town and destroyed the Taco Bell and destroyed the, the Conoco when there were still Conocos. They, I mean, it just went through there. The Crystal was gone. The Hardys is gone. And, and the Ingalls there was, was pretty much destroyed. And people in the Waffle House came out and saw that it was not that bad, right? They had hidden in the freezer room of the Waffle House. And everything was blown away around them. You come out and you've survived. That's not a half bad feeling, right? You come out, there's nothing left. You're the only ones around. And you got a house full of what? Waffles, right? And what else? Uh, what are the, the, the potatoes? Um, hash browns, right? Scattered, smothered. You better eat them fast, though, because the freezer ain't working. Uh, you got you to gotta eat. But they come out and <clears throat> everybody said, what made the difference here? What made the difference in all these other places? People blown away, think hearts, and these people in this place were secure. They examined it, and that, that freezer room was dug deep down into good old concrete there. And guess what? The anchors held. The concrete held. What do you think people are going to be asking? What type of concrete is this, right? Who made this concrete? Who was the contractor? Pull up the, call the county, get the records. Who was the contractor on this job? Who was the manufacturer of, of this substance? That when everything else gave way, it held secure. Why? Because whoever that guy is, whoever did that, that's who we want <clears throat> to do our job next. That stuff is strong, and that stuff holds. What's it made out of? What's this foundation made out of in this story we're looking at together. Here's what it's made out of. Listen carefully to the first words of this. <clears throat> Everyone then who hears these words of mine and what does them. The foundation is the word of God and the structure that survives is those who do that word. Many will come to me, Jesus says. Lord, Lord, you know how that goes. Lord, Lord. And he looks at their lives. And there was no doing. There was no seriousness. There was no bringing forth the fruit of God's word in their life. Here's what didn't matter. It didn't matter how pretty the house was. How your life looks on the outside. How nice it is. We're Facebook experts. I mean, we're, we're able to get on Facebook and filter it all out and take the wrinkles away and make the teeth brighter. Every life is able to look just pristine right now. That's not good enough. It doesn't matter how pretty your house is. It doesn't matter how skilled you are as a builder for, this, for the house or the life that you're crafting. It doesn't matter how severe the test is. All that matters is the foundation that it's built upon. And it's not the foundation of have you believed in the word of God. It's not a foundation of have you approved of the word of God or taught the word of God or tweeted the word of God. 
the foundation here is, have you done the words of God? What he has spoken here. Are you doing this? Is, is your life built upon that? Isn't it amazing what the word of God can do? Look what it does here. The word of God can take a life destined to fall and it can move it over and anchor it into a foundation of immovable strength. That's what God's word can do in your life. It can do it today. It's not too late for you. You say, well, yes, I have spent 50, 60, 90 years just building my own way. I've never really been, a, I've never built on this foundation. It's not too late. The word of God, you can build upon it right now and it will anchor you strong and secure what do you do or what you do with the word of god has the power to altogether transform your life and your destiny how you weather the storms of life and how you face the judgment of god are all dependent on what you're built upon what you're built upon will be shown it will be shown by whether we stand or fall i know all of us want to Sing that song, the hymn of heaven, a moment, a few moments ago. We want to be a part of that time when, as we sang, together with a thousand generations, we're going to sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. You know who's in those thousand generations? Not just by virtue of the fact that they have lived and been a part of that generation, whether they've been in the church, or it's those who have built upon the foundation of doing the word of God, of taking it seriously. Everybody's got to make that decision. You notice that here at the very end, the people walked away. What did they do? I'm going to read it for you. The crowds were astonished. They marveled at Jesus' teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes and teachers. Some of them marveled and probably changed their lives, right? Asked the Lord Jesus to transform them, to change them forever. Some of them probably just marveled and went on back to the old scribes and the old ways, the old sins and the old stains. After all, that's a comfortable garment. It's stained up pretty, but listen, it's familiar. They just went back to it. It's not enough to marvel. It's not enough to marvel. It's not enough to talk about it. Are you doing God's word? My sweet little boy, Reese. Ten years old, was going to take a date, take his mother on a date recently. They planned this. He said, I want to take you out on a date, Mom. <clears throat> and so we were getting ready for the date, and Mom laid out his clothes, right? Here's what you're going to wear on the date. Mom told him to go brush his teeth, right? Let that be a lesson. Going on a date, brush your teeth, right? I mean, but my, it was Mom. Mom said, hey, you know, get your teeth brushed. Hey, hey buddy, get your shoes on, and... He had trouble untying the knot on his shoe, and guess who came and untied it so he could get his foot into it? Mom did. And I pulled out some money, and I wanted Reese to be the man and to, to treat his mom and to honor her, and I, I, I gave him the money. I said, buddy, this is for you. Mom's going to drive on your date. Mom's going to do you know, a lot of things on your date. You pay for her. You honor her on this date. I gave him the money, and that afternoon when they were about ready to go, after mom had gotten everything ready, I said, buddy, where's that money I gave you? He said, I gave it to mom, right? It's in, who's, it's in mom's purse. I said, why did you give it to mom? He said, I was afraid I was going to lose it. It matters. 
where you put what matters to you. And if your life and your eternity are something that matters to you, it matters whose hand you place that in, whose purse is caring for that. We're going to lose it, guys, if we're not built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of the Word of God. The people marveled at Jesus, but it was where they placed their lives that counts. Are you ready for these storms? Are you ready to stand? Is your life built for enduring? If not, it's not too late to start building on a firm foundation. Many of you need to come today and say, Lord, I haven't done this. God, I need to come to you for the first time. I've been playing games. Lord, Lord I, 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 I thought it was something. I need, I need to come to you now place my life on you. Some of you need to come today and trust again this firm foundation that's going to carry you through. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God today and for trusting it to us. Lord, I thank you that you deal straight with us, Jesus. You're a kind and loving Savior. You held back nothing from us. You gave your life on a cross that we deserved. But Father, there's a certainty that the storms of life are going to beat against us nonetheless. And there's a certainty, Lord Jesus, that one day you're going to return in glory. And that we're going to find ourselves righteously subject to your judgment. Nothing wrong about it. Nothing cruel about it. But sure enough, the gaze of the eternal God is going to fix itself upon our lives. And we're going to account for that. When that storm comes, Heavenly Father, I pray that each one today would know with certainty that they have built their life upon the rock. Father, if anybody here today is playing games, if anybody here today is superficially crafting some type of home, some type of house, just for the eyes of onlookers to believe that somehow they have the shape of godliness but no power inside, no foundation, Lord, change us. Move us towards you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.